0: the Steelers will get to in just a minute. Uh, Mark Caballi will be on at uh, 5.30 to talk about it as well. Training camp will not be in Latrobe. It will not be on the south side either. Training camp will be at Heinz Field. And I would guess that's because with the social distancing regulations, they're going to need all that locker room space at Heinz Field in order to pull training camp off. So training camp for the Steelers at Heinz Field. But back now to the uh, planned monologue, not quite yet in progress. You know who deserves a 10 part documentary? Will Chamberlain. Will the Stilt. The Big Dipper. Because if Michael Jordan isn't the best basketball player ever, Will Chamberlain is. Will Chamberlain is the number two leading scorer, points per game in NBA history, and he's a fraction behind Michael Jordan. Wilt Chamberlain is the number one leading rebounder per game in NBA history, and that's not even close. Wilt led the NBA in assist once as a seven-footer just to prove he could do it. Wilt was a four-time MVP. He had the most points in the game with 100. He had the most rebounds in a game with 55. He had the most blocks in a game with 26. 26 blocks in one game. Who the frig does that? Wilt Chamberlain, that's who. Wilt averaged 50 points per game in a season. That was 61-62. He had more games of 50 points or more that season than Michael Jordan did in his entire career. Wilt's LA Lakers team in 71-72 won 33 games in a row. That record still stands for the NBA's longest winning streak. Now, I know what Wilt's critics have always said. Wilt only won two NBA championships, only. But the Boston Celtics were overwhelming in that era. Look at the numbers. We use the numbers to canonize pretty much every other athlete. Oh, the numbers don't lie. Well, Wilt's don't lie either. If Wilt ain't the best player ever, he's definitely number two. Sorry, LeBron. LeBron. Nemo brought you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. Yeah, Will Chamberlain had 50 points in the game 118 times. Michael Jordan is number two on that list with 31. Will Chamberlain was a physical force, seven foot one, and he can play. My God, 118 games with 50 points or more. That's unreal. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine forty five of those games with 50 or more came in that 61 62 season, and in that 61 62 season, Wilt played. Every minute of every game in all except one game. Never fouled out of a game in his career either. Got thrown out like for punching somebody, but never fouled out. I don't know. I, I think you can make the point he's the best player ever, with all due respect to Jordan. But the problem is there's not the video laying around like there is with Jordan. Uh, I got inspired for that monologue because ESPN had a documentary, like I mentioned, on Wilt's 100-point game uh, that played yesterday, 1962, in Hershey, PA. It was great. And it was a reminder of how overwhelming Wilt uh, was. And his numbers were overwhelming. And Again, numbers mean everything. That's what we get told unless they don't prove the point you want. Uh, people obviously penalized Will because he was seven foot, which is which is unfair. 45 games of 50 points or more in that one season. Sweet Jesus. 412 333 is the number to call. Uh, I guess everybody out there is totally accepting of a 48-game baseball season. I'd love it. It'd be exciting. Baseball's not exciting. Baseball, the games take over three hours. Uh, The ball's only in play for under 65% of plate appearances because of the three true outcomes. I love when people write about the three true outcomes. Uh, Walk, strikeout, home run. Results that only involve the pitcher, catcher, and batter. As if they're good. They're not good. People want to see the ball in play. People want to see outfielders chase the ball. People want to see a bug on the rug. People want to see... Base runners navigate from station to station. That's fun to watch. The three true outcomes are not fun to watch. Uh, ESPN aired its Bruce Lee documentary last night, Be Water. That was the name of it. It was very good. I loved the fight scene with Bruce Lee versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem's in sunglasses and underwear, but he still puts up a pretty good fight. Also, Bruce Lee against Chuck Norris. A very young Chuck Norris. Uh, again, you can see both those videos on my blog at wxdx.com. Now, I did not know it's supposed to be Kung fu. That style of martial arts is gung fu with the G, and not kung fu with the K. Although the TV series was kung fu with the K, and Bruce Lee came up with the idea for that series, kung fu, uh, under the name The Warrior, but he got nudged aside and his project stolen. A white guy got the lead, David Carradine. A white guy played a half-Chinese Shaolin monk when Bruce Lee was available to play it. Because that's how TV was then, and maybe it still is. Bruce Lee was obviously a special talent and a special man. Uh, The best action star of his era, and he only did four films. If Bruce Lee comes along today, he's a star like The Rock is. You couldn't recreate Bruce Lee, though. Guys like Jet Lee tried and failed, and uh, Jackie Chan was the comedy version of Bruce Lee, but that's all he was, was the comedy version. Uh, It was kind of a weird documentary. Stuff in there I didn't think I'd see, for example. It showed Bruce Lee in the coffin, in the box. That was unnerving. Now, this next Sunday on ESPN, the coveted Sunday night at 9 p.m. time slot. You got the 30-for-30 30 30 on the 1998 home run race in MLB between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, which is now considered a fraud, but the biggest frauds back then were the baseball media who saw what was so obvious and ignored it because after the 1994 strike that canceled the World Series, uh, MLB needed that home run race to get itself back in gear so the writers ignored it even though it was obvious even though it was news and that's okay but now they're self-righteous about what they ignored some years later and won't let those guys in the hall of fame because they cheated well yeah if you think they cheated that's your version of it if you don't think steroids are right i can't make you think they're right i think they're science i think they're advancement i think there's nothing wrong with performance enhancing i want to see enhanced performance but If you think it's bad, that's okay, but then you should have reported it back then when you saw it because you saw it and you ignored it. And uh, getting back to talking about baseball in this proposed 48-game season, they better have some kind of season, and it better be good baseball because in 1994 when they canceled the World Series, baseball got real lucky because they had Ripken chasing Gehrig for that consecutive games thing, and they had the home run race that dug the sport out, I don't see anything around the corner to dig the sport out. Baseball's just chock full of douchebags now. You talk about Cal Ripken Jr. chasing Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak of 2,130, which is a record that never impressed me because you're supposed to show up for work every day. And Cal Ripken probably should have sat when he played bad more than he did But the streak kept him in there, and that is the streak going against the objectives of the team. However, Cal Ripken Jr. is one heck of a player, uh, would have made the Hall of Fame even if the consecutive game streak had never existed. Uh, Baltimore did pretty good with him, and they have not done since. And he's a thoroughly decent man, a good guy. I have trouble now when I think of baseball. Okay, who have I read about in baseball that's a good guy? And I'm sure there's some, but none jump to mind. Bryce Harper's a dinkweed. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's a dinkweed. Uh, Mike Trott, he's so vanilla, I don't even know what kind of a guy he is. Uh, baseball better be real careful. Baseball could find itself on the pay-no-mind list. Like, like I said, the, the baseball people who say, oh, baseball's always going to be big. Really? Because attendance has shrunk. 7% since 2015. That's over 5 million paying customers. And uh, might I add, of those 5 million paying customers that stopped showing up, 1 million of them stopped showing up in Pittsburgh. There you go. Any hoodles, 412-333-9939. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk hockey with the old 2 niner, er and expectant father, Phil Bork. This is Mark Madden on 105.9 x Uh, Forgive my being distracted. I am watching uh, the top ten goals by Liverpool against Everton in the Merseyside Derby in the uh, Premier League era. Gary McAllister back in 01, undoubtedly the number one. I'm watching that currently. Wow, what a goal. Free kick from way out there, different zip code. Breaks a tie in injury time. Any hoodles, that'll all be starting again soon, and – I can touch wood, see the last thing I want to see before I check out. 412 9939 if you're just tuning in, we're talking about, uh, by the way, hashtag stick to sports. You asked for it, you got it. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, probability of a 48-game baseball season because it looks like that's what the owners will impose since the players and owners can't find any common ground. Mike McHenry was on earlier, and he brought up a real good point in that if it's imposed, the players won't be happy. Will they go through the motions? Will they be bitchy? Will they do the bare minimum? You'd like to think not, but these guys are prima donnas. That's my words, not McHenry's. And uh, baseball, once again, at a time when America could really use a good taste in its mouth about sports, has left a sour taste not for the first time and uh not for the last time either well maybe for the last time if people stop caring about it McHenry uh said a con for the 48 game schedule might be that if the dodgers or yankees get off to a bad start they could be eliminated early well to me that'd be the fun part of it that would be the risky part of it that would be uh the sprint versus the marathon element of it i think that's what would make it fun uh just this one time. Again, just this one time. I think baseball would be better off if it shortened its schedule to 120 games, uh, period. But it's not going to do that but because uh, of the money. You know, there are ways to make up that money. Uh, you don't want to charge the people anymore, but uh, I don't know. I, I know greed has ruined every sport to some degree, and it really has. Greed has ruined some every sport to some degree. Greed's ruined baseball. It's too long. The games are too long. Everything's too long. Hockey, there's too many back-to-backs. The caliber of play isn't nearly what it should be. That's down to overexpansion, although the European talent pool has made up for that. Uh, Same thing with the NBA, being about 10 games too long, and football's two games too long. I don't think people get sick of football. I don't think that the caliber of play suffers for those two games, but... uh, If you're a player coming to the league for that 16-game schedule and you play 10 years, which I know is a long career, but you're playing 20 more games than you would have under a 14-game schedule, which is what it used to be. And the only reason it was added was because of greed, not because people necessarily want to see more football. If you would have had a 14-game football schedule uh, in perpetuity, nobody would have been asking for more. Nobody would have thought it was too long. I hate when when you got the Super Bowl in February, you got the Stanley Cup final in June, you got the World Series in November. That's just too long. That's wrong time of year. Uh, as mentioned just moments ago, the breaking news is that uh, Heinz Field is going to host Steeler training camp, and I can't figure they would want to do that because that's going to beat up that turf pretty good uh before a game's ever played there. and then again, it's not like they hit in practice. It's not like they dig in deep like you would in a game, exhibition or regular season or playoff. But I assume they're moving training camp to Heinz Field because with social distancing being the mandate and you can't go to St. Vincent, I would think they just need the locker room space in Heinz Field because you've got a huge home locker room. You've got a huge visitor's locker room. I don't know exactly what they're mandating, but it would seem like you have to have a locker in between every locker that's used, which is ridiculous, but that may be what they want. And so you got the home locker room, the visiting locker room, and you have a bunch of auxiliary space as well. Maybe that's the only way they can do it. Then again, there's only one field, and it's going to get beat up. I don't know. You have to make do, though. That's what happens during a pandemic. You just have to make do. Uh. We got Phil Bork talking hockey at the bottom of the hour. That that Montreal news where there's no ice at Bell Center, the practice facility's not even open, and there's two players from the Canadiens in town in Montreal. Most of the Penguins are here. Geno just came back. You know, Sid's been here. That's the difference between a good team and a bad team because good teams care, bad teams don't. When I hear that about the Montreal Canadiens, I'm thinking they took too many teams in the playoffs. I really do think, in retrospect, what they should have done after I hear stuff like that, they should have taken 10 teams in each conference, best of three preliminary rounds, seven versus 10, eight versus nine, and then you go from there. And nobody would have been left out of the playoffs that deserved it. You would have left the Rangers and Blackhawks out, and that's two big markets, but uh, that's different than deserving. Heck, I would have had no problem if they would have just taken the top eight in each uh, conference like they usually do you know top uh what is it three in each division plus two wild cards in each conference because that's the usual format and they did play over 80 percent of the games any hoodles we'll talk about all that with phil bork he is up next the old two-niner on 105.9 Nine. this is indeed a red letter day on the mark madden show because joining me now is a man who is celebrating his 58th birthday today. And not only that, since the last time we spoke, uh, it was determined he is an expectant father. So, uh, I welcome aboard Phil Bork and, uh, two niner. I say, congratulations on, on both the cons. Awesome
1: news. Wow. Double M much appreciated, much appreciated. Beautiful day in the Berg. And yeah, I'm 58 on my birth certificate, but I feel like I'm 35.
0: Oh, no question. And you look good too. And, uh, I also bring news This since the last time we spoke, and only two people will get this, me and you, but I spoke at length with your old youth hockey coach, Ray Richard. What was that team name, the the Wallopers?
1: Yeah, it was called the Wallace Wallopers. The name, the, the rink that we skated out of in Fitchburg, Mass, was the uh, Wallace Civic Center, and we were called the Wallace Wallopers, and that was in the uh, New England Junior Hockey League, and it was as close to slap shot uh, of a league that I've ever played in. <laughs> Is it fair to say that Ray Richard was a trip as a coach? He was. Uh, we didn't have the rosiest of relationships. Uh, I was a young kid. I was 15 or 16 playing against men that were 18, 19. I think there actually there were a few guys in there that were 20. Um, some that uh, you know went to college and, didn't make their college team, so they played in this junior league. This is way before USHL and and all these other junior leagues that have popped up. But uh, with uh, Coach Richard there, you know, I was a young kid that uh, had a chip on my shoulder, and I felt like I could play, and he maybe thought I was too young. So, you know, eventually we worked things out, and, uh, yeah, it was a nice stepping stone for me. He was a good coach. I enjoyed him.
0: Oh, no, I, I like Gray a lot, but he's he's a trip. He still DJs. It, it, boy, he's a lot older than you and me, so there you go. Now, what is the NHL waiting for? Now we hear training camp might not begin till August 1st. What the
1: heck are they waiting for? I think they're being uh, super cautious, maybe overly cautious. Um, I just think they want to be as 100% sure as they possibly can and still fit uh, into their... Their outline that they have, uh, their timeline that they have. They feel that even if they pushed everything to August and they started the 2021 season, I've heard as late as January, Mark, uh, that maybe you take November off, you take December off, let the, let the players stay with their family. There's none of this Christmas break where you just get three days off. They get all the time they want to spend with their family over the, over the winter holidays and, and start right after the new year. Uh, and I still, feel like we can do that uh, and obviously the league feels like i'm not sure if we're going to play 82 games if it's going to be 75 or 72 uh, i think it'll be somewhere in that range for the 2021 season but uh, i understand uh, i'm as antsy as you are mark and, and I, I probably did roll my eyes when i heard that man we went from july to august pretty quick there I, I just think they're trying to push this thing as far back as they can just to make sure they can be as safe as possible <clears throat> Excuse me. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking: Is the league thinking that if they push it as far as they can, that that might help them get butts in the seats in the second round or the third round or, or maybe the Stanley Cup final? I'm I'm kind of spitballing here a little bit, but uh, you almost get that feeling that by pushing it as far as possible, that maybe that gives them a better chance to get butts in the seats. Well, if that would occur, that would make sense, but that's a,
0: a bit of a gamble. And I wondered, Borky, if, if some players and teams want to come back because Montreal has no ice in their building, their practice rink isn't open, and only two players are currently in Montreal, even now when you're allowed to practice in small groups. It's almost farcical.
1: Yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes at that, uh, where they have a lot of Canadian players. I would think they would want to hunker down in in Montreal. It's not a bad place to be hunkered down in. Um, but, you know, they say all the right things, that they're they're feeling that it's a second lease on life, where they felt like, I think they were 15 points behind the Penguins. Uh, and they had no chance of making the playoffs. I think uh, the odds makers have them at a uh, 1% or 2% chance of making the playoffs and that they get in. I, I do find it interesting, and I don't know how this is going to work out, because if the players are not in Montreal, those players, wherever they are, uh, and I'm talking about the North American players. If they're in, uh, the, you know, their Canadian town where maybe their their family is, or they own another home there, and that's where they are, and it's closer to an NHL uh, venue that's going to be open. Uh, you know, just example. If it was a Montreal Canadian player that was in Pittsburgh. Uh, would he be able to practice with the Pittsburgh Penguins? That's the way it seems to me. Uh, but that's that's kind of a head scratcher, isn't it? That you're going to play against the player potentially, in a first-round matchup, and here he is skating with you because he doesn't want to go back to Montreal. I mean, that's going to be really interesting and odd.
0: What will happen if a bunch of players just don't show up, Borky, or if they show up and they tank? I doubt that's going to happen, but, like, I really do wonder about Montreal because you had Brendan Gallagher complaining publicly about having to come back. Uh, I think there's some potential for some bad optics between now and play resuming.
1: You no, know, it could happen. It definitely could happen. And, you know, on another side, Devin Dubnik um, said that he really didn't want to leave his family for an extended period of time. And uh, if anybody knows that story, you know, his wife had had been sick. And so you you can understand that your heart kind of goes out to him if it's something like that. Uh, but, Mark, you know hockey players very well. And you know that uh, they're, most of them are team first and they don't want to be that guy uh, that doesn't go. Will there be players that the heart is half in and half out? Absolutely. For for teams like Montreal um, that feel like, man, I I had already, uh, you know, signed off and uh, put the gear away. I didn't plan on coming back at all. And and then all of a sudden they're back. So um, I'd be shocked if there's more than half a dozen players of the 24 teams that are going to be in the playoffs, half a dozen players that just say, "I, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be there. Uh, just because that's not the mentality of NHL players. Well,
0: I'm wondering if they might say they don't want to risk it in terms of the virus but might just not feel like playing, although we we won't have that problem in Pittsburgh. I I think almost the whole team is uh, back in, in town. Now, the Penguins players can practice in groups of six, and that is going on at the Lemieux Complex. What can that accomplish? What can you do
1: in small groups, Borky? it's going to be interesting uh because and uh i don't know if it was on your show mark or when i was on with stan uh we talked about this a little bit about the small area games uh that have become very common um a lot of touches with the puck um maybe you could have a scrimmage just in an end zone but if if you're only allowed to have six players on the ice i wonder if that's six skaters and a goalie is it five skaters and a goalie um you know, we used to play a, uh, after practice, we play a two, t- uh, two pass, dr- uh, scrimmage where you have two on two or three on three. I mean, you could do two on two, uh, with a goalie and you have to make two passes before you allowed to shoot the puck. And there's a lot of, um, touches of the puck. You could do a lot of, uh, a small area. I also hear there's some kind of restriction that there's not supposed to be any hitting involved, uh, and in contact like that. So, Man, that makes me kind of roll my eyes because that's something that you absolutely would want as a player. Uh, You'd want some of that bumping and hitting, something you haven't felt for uh, at least three months now.
0: Now, one Penguin tested positive for COVID-19. He's recovering and resting. Uh, We don't know who he is, and we don't need to know. But will that make the locker room paranoid once everybody gets back together?
1: I don't think so, Mark. Uh, I think – uh, that particular player um, you know I think he would be uh, maybe a little bit under the microscope more with the medical staff and than, than any other player so you know you wonder how many players actually know who it is uh, you know that's something that can be kept pretty hush-hush uh, inside the locker room so I don't I don't think it'll be a concern at all I think you know if that player it's it's been a while i think i don't think he just got it a couple of days ago i think he, he had it a while ago and and now he's he's recovered and come out the other side and he uh, from my understanding that he would be good to go maybe not tomorrow when the, all the players re- report um but very soon after that i heard that player is, is good to go if it was
0: if bo bennett was still on the penguins would know for sure it would be him but <laughs> my uh, first thought.
1: but but otherwise my first we, we don't need to know Absolutely. what's that no, that was my first thought that uh, uh, if it was, <laughs> was both first though the black and gold, Bo would have been the first one to get it, right?
0: Now, do you still feel like there's definitely going to be a season? Because if it's five months between games, boy, that's a long time, Borky.
1: That is a long time, Mark. It really is. Something that you've never felt as a player. I mean, that's, that's unheard of uh, to go this long without gating. First of all, and then go that long without playing a, a meaningful game uh, that just that just doesn 't happen, um, but I do to answer your question, I do believe there'll be a season um, it 's going to be odd it is um, to have hockey in August, you know when it 's ninety degrees outside and you 're going to the rank it, um, it is going to be strange and yeah, you do wonder about the condition of the ice if you 're going to have you know in the first go round if you 're going to have three games in one day, which seems to be the plan. Uh, it'll get dwindled down quick, obviously, with, with best of fives and then the round robin for the top four teams. Uh, but I just trying to put myself in the position of the current players. If I was lumped in with those guys, I would, I would think this is an unbelievable opportunity. This is a, this is just a sprint. And if you're first out of the gate, if you're, uh, the readiest, uh, of all these teams, you can have a Stanley Cup and you can have a Stanley Cup ring and that's still going to have a lot of meaning uh, because you will be the best of the best. Um, I don't think there will be an asterisk against it or, or next to it at all. It will be a special season, obviously, the one that we will remember for the rest of our lives, and hopefully we never have it again. But at the end of the day, uh, when you strap the the skates on and you go up against the best uh, and you're going to face tough competition, um, I, th- I think if you're the last man standing from that, you will still feel like a a Stanley Cup champion.
0: No question. I don't think there's any asterisk. Like in 2013 when we only had 48 games, the Blackhawks won it. Nobody thinks Chicago uh, deserves an asterisk. So I, I totally agree. We're talking to Phil Bork. He's brought to us by California University. One decision, endless possibilities. Now, regarding the format, I know they've already decided, but in retrospect, here's one change I'd make. 24 teams is too many. 20 would have been enough with the prelim round of the seven seed versus the 10 and the eight versus the 9 in each uh, conference. I look at what's going on with Montreal and the Canadians. They're not going to be invested at all. They're going to go through the motions. That I do feel strongly about. So 20 would have been plenty.
1: I concur. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that having, uh, I just heard you a little bit before I came on, um, that having the big market, uh, of, you know, the Rangers in there and Chicago in there that, uh, and, and Montreal I'll throw them in there too. Um, that it's, it's definitely going to bring in better numbers, which equals higher revenue. And, you know, we are talking about a billion dollar business that uh, probably has lost a billion dollars. They're trying to make up as much as that as possible for the league, for the owners, and just as importantly for the players, uh, and moving forward too. And what, what the cap's going to be next year and what those unrestricted free agents potentially could get with the way the cap plays out for next year. So there's a lot of trickle down to that. I don't want to make this all about money because it's not. It's, it's about, you know, everybody being healthy first and foremost, but there, there absolutely is huge numbers involved here. And so I understand why they expanded it, but I'm not that big of a fan of it. I'm not that big of a fan of the little round robin that the top four teams play while everybody else is playing the best of five uh, to move forward to the, the four rounds of playoffs. So uh, I would rather just be four rounds, best of seven, uh, and that way um, you stay traditional to the way the Stanley Cup has been for a long time. Now, uh, I've been watching
0: the old Penguins playoff games on TV, and most recently, 1992, uh, you guys won 11 straight games to finish the playoffs that year and win the Stanley Cup. What enabled that Penguins team to get uh, so red hot?
1: Well, I, do, I don't think it was just one thing. I, was, I think it was a combination of things. We had, man, do we have some characters. You know, whether it was the, the play of Kevin Stevens, having Rick talking in that locker room, uh, and you know talk as well as I do, it was huge. Um, you know, when you lose guys like Mark Reckey and, and Paul Coffey that were not only great players but great in our locker room, um, we just had a lot of glue guys. Brian trache was so instrumental uh, in just kind of keeping everything together um, you know and and you know mario 's health was still a little bit wonky you know with the with the um, with the broken hand and all that from adam graves slash uh, i I felt that uh, Yager went to a whole nother level uh, in those playoffs and really never looked back after that as being. In the league. We knew he was special in '91 and what he did in the playoffs, but what he did in those '92 playoffs was was really unbelievable. And we had, uh, uh, you know, we had depth. We had guys that could just plug and play, you know, whether it was Jock Callender or Dave Mikaylik. I mean, there was a whole bunch of guys, uh, unnamed guys that you look now in the Stanley Cup and you see their name on it. And you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, it was just a. I've heard. I've said this before. It's just such a special room. And when I left Pittsburgh to. To go to the Rangers and, and after the Cup in '92, I kept searching for that and, and I never found it again. I never found that that specialness, that family environment that that you know players didn't have a, a fear of what they said in the locker room. They didn't just sit there and, and sit on their hands because they didn't want to open their mouth. And that's what we had in that room. We had a bunch of guys. It didn't matter if you played one minute or you played you know 31 minutes. Uh, everybody spoke their mind, and sometimes you didn't want to hear it, but the, the truth sometimes hurt, but we held each other accountable. And it was just such a unique, unique groom as, as well as a whole bunch of Hall of Famers ended up being in there also.
0: Now, uh, one thing I noticed, too, watching these games, in 1992, everybody played with everybody. Uh, I mean, there were some, you know, general line combinations, but the line switched a lot. Mario was really out there with everybody, wasn't he?
1: He really was. I know, I watch, I, you forget a little bit that, you know, he'd be out there with, with Yager one time and then Bobby Erie another time and then Kevin another time and then myself, I'd be out there with him. Troy Loney would be out there with him. And, um, you know, Mario never skipped a beat. It didn't matter who he was playing with. He, he elevated the player so much. Uh, and that was his, he also had a way of making you feel comfortable. If you knew you were inferior, to mario he had a way of making you feel comfortable where you played at your best with Mario. you weren't overwhelmed playing with mario just because of the way he played when he was with you and he always gave you that little tap and that little wink you know what i'm talking about uh to uh to make sure that you were ready to go um and it it didn't matter to us as players either um we were so interchangeable and we were just so comfortable that with each other that it, it didn't matter what line you were playing on. And, and there was a lot of shuffling of the deck throughout the playoffs, whether it was with Badger Bob or with Scotty Bowman in 92.
0: Uh, you, you talked about the adjustment going to another team following that 92 season because you left after then as a free agent. What did it feel like to know like during the last couple games, even as you were winning that Stanley Cup, that the likelihood was very high that you would not be back with Pittsburgh in the next year.
1: Yeah, It just makes you embrace it a little bit more. Yeah, there was That was uh, in the back of my mind. I, I always wanted to shut it out because I just knew uh, it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. I, I remember talking to myself and reminding myself that, um, you know, because you do anticipate, you know, you win the Cup on June the 1st and then on July 1, a month later, you knew you were going to be an unrestricted free agent. I also knew what players for the, penguins were up also up contract wise and i knew obviously you know where i ranked on the totem pole as far as being a priority um, the one thing about craig patrick our general manager is he's pretty upfront and honest early on which you know gave me the ability to to talk to not only the rangers but the san jose sharks were, were heavily involved and it really came down to those two teams and i knew the rangers had a, a good base there and, and a good chance to to potentially win in the near future. And that's part of the decision. I went to the Rangers as well as them being on the East coast and, and familiar with the division and on and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, it was, it was hard to block that out uh, and stay focused when you knew that there's a pretty good chance you were, you were never going to see these guys again. And, and you knew my attachment to not only the, the, the crest in the front, but also in the city uh, that I had I'd done a lot in the media and I'd done a lot with charities and, uh, I really entrenched myself and felt like I was born here in Pittsburgh uh that, that that was one of the hardest things ever was to tell Neil Smith the general manager of the New York Rangers okay I'm I'm ready to go I'm ready to you know the next chapter you've heard it over and over again you know from players like Max Talbot going to the Flyers and a whole bunch of players that you know Ryan Malone going to the Tampa Bay Lightning you don't want to go but you kind of get to that point where the finances and your future do play a role in your decision-making. And a lot of times you look at those contracts and you look at the situation and you just shake the hand of the player and just say, yeah, you can't turn that deal down. You have to take it. And we wish you the best going forward except when you play us.
0: Well, it's like I've often said, Max Talbot's the only guy I've ever given a free pass to for going to the Flyers uh, because he could not have passed up that offer. Then again, uh, Bugsy Malone, Told his agent, look, no Flyers, period, no matter what they offer. And I respect that too, Borky. How
1: about you? I do. I, I, I'm so glad the Flyers were not involved in my negotiations um, because I'd probably be the same as Bugsy. Um, you know, the other teams, whether it's the Caps or the Islanders or the Rangers, I mean, those are, those are teams you, you kind of cringe when you negotiate with them a little bit because of – the, health, the healthy hatred that you had for them in the playoffs, but there's no hatred like the flyer hatred. I mean, I, I love that you have it the way that I have it too. Um, I almost feel like you were down in the trenches with us and uh, and heard some of the things that were said and felt uh, them kicking you in the groin, you know, when it's it's 9-1 to one and they're cheering, we want 10, we want 10 in the spectrum, and they just want to beat the snot out of you. You understand what that is, and... You know, As much as you hate the Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils and all those others, you hated the Flyers more because of what they did to you in those 15 years when you couldn't win in the spectrum. They didn't want to just beat you in the scoreboard. They wanted to beat the snot out of you in the alley, and you never forget about that. So, yeah, that, I, I don't think I could have done that. I don't think I could ever wear that orange, no matter how much they were willing to pay me. Borky, great stuff. As always,
0: uh, a pleasure. Happy birthday. Congratulations on all fronts, and we'll talk again soon.
1: All right, Double M. I appreciate it. And uh, like always, I enjoyed our time together, and this was Good Hockey Talk.
0: That's Phil Bork. Thanks to him, as always. I I want to send out some get well wishes, too. Uh, Dominic DiNucci, the wrestling legend who has been around Pittsburgh for a long time, had a wrestling school in Pittsburgh, taught among others. Mick Foley, Shane Douglas, my, uh, good friend, the late WCW referee, Brian C. Hildebrand, well, better known as Mark Curtis, uh, in wrestling. And, uh, Dominic's the one of a kind guy. He had, what's it say here? He had a heart catheterization. Uh, he already had a stent. Now they're going to give him some medication too. And it'll take a few months to see how he will adjust at 88. You never know, but, uh, the prognosis seems uh, optimistic, so get well to Mr. DiNucci. And uh, also condolences to John Wayner, uh, former Pirate infielder, now a member of the Pirate uh, announce team on the passing of his father. Also Cam Hayward, who is going to join us on the show soon, but uh, lost his grandfather. So, uh, boy, a, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to talk about an important decision I have to make for the upcoming Steelers season, but also it's time to ask Mark anything. It's the bonus segment, ask me anything you like, about anything you like, and keep in mind, the show is now 111 minutes old. We've not taken one call. And to quote KC and the Sunshine Band, that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But you can't ask Mark anything, just dial 412-333-WXDX. Double M on the X, it's time to Ask Mark Anything, the bonus segment. Brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call and download the app today. Dial one 800 or If you've got a gambling problem, you've got to be 21 or over to download the app. So check out that Fox Bet app. Uh, let's go to Owen. Owen, Ask Mark Anything. Um, through COVID, when do you think hockey will start back up? I don't know. Phil Bork brought up a good point, buddy, a minute ago when he said that perhaps they're pushing it back because they think that fans might be allowed in the building even sooner than people thought. And uh, there was a a revelation today, and I hope it can get confirmed by a bunch of different medical experts, that people who don't display symptoms of COVID... Uh, Don't pass the disease on. You can't be asymptomatic and pass it on, which takes the mystery of the transmission out of the equation. So uh, uh, hopefully we'll get some fans in the stands. When will hockey start? I don't know. Uh, Pushing the training camp back all the way to August 1st kind of bugs me. Maybe they're being extra careful, which isn't a bad thing, but five months between games is an awful lot. If you made me guess, I'm going to say they get to camp by July 20th, and they're back playing games by the middle of August. Thank you for the call, Owen. Let's go to Kenny. Kenny. Yes. wrong with Double M. Yes. Uh, What is the better show, Breaking Bad or The Sopranos? Those are my two favorite TV shows of all time. I put, uh, it, uh, I, 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 I think that those are the three best. If you made me pick one, I'd pick Breaking Bad. I don't think Breaking Bad ever broke stride, whereas I think the Sopranos had a couple. Their last two seasons were, were a B on the report card, but they were still a B, and the ending was confusing. And in a series where everything was cut and dried, I don't think the ending needed to be confusing. How about you?
1: In my opinion, The Sopranos is more of a character study of Tony Soprano. uh, But the storytelling of Breaking Bad, just how it just
0: intricately weaves
1: together
0: is almost Shakespearean. You know, it's beyond reproach. So uh, I got to go with Breaking Bad. Uh, That's what I say, too. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Dustin. 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 Ask Mark anything. Hey, what's up, Mark?
1: What up? Hey, Mark. Hey, I was curious. You had a heart attack and famously drove yourself to the hospital, which is impressive. I actually...
0: It was a very got- mild heart attack, and I almost pulled off at the very unjustifiably famous Al's Diamond Cabaret Gentleman's Club in uh pa but i decided the hospital is probably a better choice bro i thought i just had a, a virus or the flu i didn't think it was a heart attack
1: wait wait so there's no truth to like well i'm just curious because i have my family has heart issues like, is there any truth like your left arm
0: like hurting no i thought i had like i said the flu or a virus i thought i would go in there and get an antibiotic shot and that'd be it
1: you know what, because I had a panic attack actually driving through tra- Chambersburg, which is kind of close to where you actually – and, I, and I, I, just, I was just curious because, like, sometimes like I didn't, I didn't know if it was anxiety or, or whatever, but, like, I I, I just thought, like – like, you said it's just, like, a flu or something? That's what it felt like, but that is
0: a very non traditional symptom, believe me. Thank you for the call. Well, how about this? There's a rumor that there's going to be a Breaking Bad season six, which would not include Walter White because he died at the end of season five. How do you do it at the end of uh, Walter White? How do you do it without Walter White? And you're still doing Better Call Saul for for one last season. I I don't know. I think with Breaking Bad, even though the movie was great and Better Call Saul has been great, I'd leave Breaking Bad Then again, it'll probably be great. Who knows? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you how HBO is going to F up cartoons because nobody can ever know an unpleasant or uncomfortable moment. And we'll talk about a very uh, important question I'll be asking formally soon, but we can get some uh, informal discussion going uh, in the next segment. This is the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X.